I had a relationship with the Lord, but it, it really was under my terms and under my control. Yeah. And that the thing that I wasn't giving him was me. Mm-hmm. And so that's when surrender really became my testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at every level, especially from that point on, it, it really is about that. It's really been about dying to self and dying to the world and handing over all control uh, to him. Mm-hmm. And that really set me back on track. It was like hitting, I hit rock bottom and then the Lord used Melissa to come into my life and, mm-hmm. and, and witness to me ministered to me and bring me back to the faith that I knew that I was capable of living out. Welcome to the Ask About My Faith podcast, where our hope is to inspire everyday faith conversations. I'm Jess. And I'm Abby. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Ben Utek. His name might sound familiar because he has had an impressive career in the NFL, including a Super Bowl championship in 2007 under Tony Dungy. Ben has always chased his dreams, finding his way from Hastings, Minnesota to the Super Bowl championship field. He's established himself as a prominent corporate speaker and coach in the areas of cultural and leadership development. And even with all of those interests and accomplishments, Ben would tell you that his greatest passion is being a husband to his beautiful wife and the father of their four daughters. Today, Ben will share with you how the ups and downs of his early years, along with the support of his faith-filled family, helped shape his own faith. And then the story about how an interaction changed everything for Ben. Has anyone else experienced this when somebody's words hit you so hard that that one conversation changed everything? Well, one athletic trainer's boldness to share what God had spoken to her helped Ben step into who God created him to be. Let's dive in. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. I know you have some fantastic stories lined up to share with our listeners today. And the first one we want to start with, of course, is hearing about how you came to know the Lord yourself. What did that look like? What was that journey like for you? Wow, man, you're, you're, you're testing my <laughs> my memory. <laughs> you know, I, I was one of those uh, pastor's kids that grew up in, a, in just an, an amazing home. I really fell in love with the Lord because of the relationship that my parents had with Christ. And one of the things I really appreciate about my about my dad is that uh, he really lived his faith out at home. And so while I've had uh, other friends that were pastors, kids over the years that that um, might have taken more of a, a prodigal son journey or, you know, a, more of a wayward journey, I, I was always drawn to it because he brought the ministry home. And I saw it in him, in his behaviors towards me and my sister, in his behaviors towards my mom. And so that that was always apparent to me mm. that there was something different about him. There was something different about the way that my mom behaved, and I was drawn towards that. So it started at a very young age. And I remember at one point, probably third or fourth grade, asking my dad to come down into my room and, and telling him and my mom that, that I wanted to follow Jesus. And... And so they began to kind of teach me what that process was like. And so I really began it at a very young age, but didn't really didn't really mature spiritually until high school and until I had a chance to go to a, a conference called Acquire the Fire. Oh yeah. And 
I don't know if you remember that, but Acquire the Fire came out of Texas and it and it really was radically transformational for like middle schooler and high school age kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember walking into Northrop Auditorium, University of Minnesota, 5,000 kids my age just screaming for Jesus. And I came out of a conservative Methodist church where <laughs> we don't really talk much about the Holy Spirit. And, and so when I walked into that room, it was just like just this wave of spiritual energy that I had never felt before. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that kind of, that began to change everything. And I remember coming home from that experience just on fire for the first time. Wow. And, you know, I, that's when I really started to get into my Bible. That's when I, I totally became one of those kids that was wearing like the DC talk Jesus freak shirt to school, <laughs> but I was, big, I was bigger than everybody. So I never got really got teased for it. So, <laughs> but it, uh, but, it, but really that was the journey of spiritual maturation was, you know, was in high school uh, where mm-hmm. it began to really, you know, be transformative in my own life. And, and then it's been, you know, for all of us, it's, it's kind of a roller coaster ride of, of um, figuring out what it means to be obedient to the Lord. And, Mm-hmm. And now I'm 41 and I have an amazing wife and four daughters. So I need as much prayer as I can possibly get. So. <laughs> uh, well, hey, you grew up in the right kind of family. That sounds like they will for sure be supporting you in prayer. And I bet you know a couple <laughs> people too. Yes. That, uh, that love you enough. Tell us a little bit more about your story because there are a few um, kind of milestone events, things that took place that have really shaped a little bit more of kind of your story, if you will, till today. Well, man, you know, most of my life has been sports and music and, mm. and, um, you know, I never really fathomed where the Lord could take that, you know, from a small mm. river town of Hastings, Minnesota, you know, playing in, in front of hundreds of people to, you know, being on a Super Bowl field in Miami, playing in front of maybe over 120 million people. And mm. so, you know, that journey was, was pretty radical. No kidding. And, you know, there was every chapter of life, you know, has its, has its different, you know, God winks or, or God mm-hmm. incidences and his providence is, is kind of woven, you know, throughout that, throughout that story. And, and, and two really come to mind when you ask that, that I think are really tied into kind of to this powerful theme of, of your podcast, which is, you know, um, how do you witness your faith? How do you be, a missionary in the real world, um, mm-hmm. introducing people to Jesus. And I'll never forget um, this story uh, about a young trainer by the name of Melissa. And mm-hmm. I was in uh, at the University of Minnesota, and I uh, had um, just broken my foot. I fractured my foot the fourth mm-hmm. game into the season, and I was leading the season in touchdowns and receptions, and not only for tight ends, but for all receivers. I mean, it was you couldn't have asked for a stronger start. Okay. And really is just getting started when you have this injury. Yes. Oh man. It was just debilitating. And for the first time in my life, I ran from God. I was so mad that Mm -hmm. he would take, um, that he would take away my season, that he would take away my opportunity to be an all American, that he would take away my opportunity to leave early and go in the NFL draft and be, potentially be a high first round draft pick. Hmm. And it was all about me, right? I, I had kind of gotten at that point in my, in my faith journey, I'd really gotten wrapped up in the success that I was having. 
and 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 the entitlement that that created, the pride that that created. And so when he when he pulled the rug out from underneath me, I I I fell flat on my face, really. Mm-hmm. And and so there was a trainer that was brought into the football program, and she was there only for one season. And her name was Melissa, and mm-hmm. she was a passionate follower of Jesus. And I'll never forget crutching out of that training room. And I felt this tap on my shoulder and it was maybe five foot one blonde hair, blue eyed Melissa. And I'm six foot seven, you know, 260 pounds. So I'm, I turn around and I look down and there's Melissa. <laughs> and she says, uh, are you, are you Ben? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm Ben. And she said, well, I know we don't really know each other well, but can I talk to you in the back training room? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is weird. This is a little strange. And so we start walking back to this back room in the training office. And all I can think of because of my pride was this, this girl is going to ask me out. <laughs> what am I going to say? She's so short. No, I didn't say that. I, I, I wasn't thinking that, but, and I couldn't have been more wrong. So we, mm-hmm. we got into this back training room and she turned to me and she said, are you a Christian? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh boy, that, that completely changed the, the environment. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yes, I, I am a Christian. I am a Christian. I love the Lord. And she said, she said, so do I. And she said, uh, and then she asked another question that, that took it to a whole nother level. She said, do you believe in spiritual gifts? Mm. And I said, Oh man, I said, I, well, I know what spiritual gifts are. You know, yeah. I've read Corinthians many times and, and she said, well, I have some of those spiritual gifts. <laughs> Wow. And the Lord comes to me and gives me messages for people. Mm. And she says, I'm pretty nervous because I know I don't know you. I had to make sure that it was you. But I was in a prayer group just a couple nights ago, praying over some missionary friends of mine in Africa. And the Lord just consumed my mind with you. Your name just came into my mind. Mm. Um, so much so I, I had to get up and I left the prayer meeting. And I went into my room and I got on my knees and I just started praying for you. Wow. And she said, and that's when the Lord just allowed me to just experience all this darkness that was going on in your life. Because what she hadn't known was, mm. you know, when I ran in that moment of loss with my injury, I spent a number of weeks just running into the open arms of the world. And mm. I just, I was partying hard and I was going to all these other relationships and communities to try and numb you know, my, my own internal pain. Yeah. And, and I was be- behaving, I was, my behavior was unbecoming of a follower of Jesus and, mm-hmm. you know, from drinking to, to dating. And, and she, she started talking about these things mm-hmm. and I was just, now I started to get really like uncomfortable as yeah, you can imagine. Right. right? Cause mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we read about the spiritual giftings, but rarely do you experience, rarely do you experience a, a prophetic word that, that hits you so accurately, you right. know, and, and Paul says that prophecy does two things. It lays bare the secrets of a man's soul mm-hmm. and it edifies the church. And that was what was happening. And, and she said, um, she said, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I have been asked to tell you something. And I said, well, what is it? And she said uh, that you're not giving him something. Hmm. He didn't tell me what, he just wanted me to tell you point blank, mm. you're not giving him something. And she said, do you know what that could be? 
And I was overwhelmed. I mean, I was almost in tears. I, yeah. I just said, I gotta, I gotta go. And I got out of there and mm. took me a while, but I crushed back to my dorm room and called my dad. And I said, this is what just happened. And he said, Ben, you have to pray for confirmation and ask that this is from the Lord. And I mm. got on my knees and I asked that of the Lord, if this was you, Father, you need to, you need to come and show me what it is that I'm not giving you. And I got off my knees and opened up my email and my faith, or my aunt would send me these faith break scriptures mm-hmm. throughout high school or throughout college. And the scripture verse was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord in all your ways, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path straight. Mm. And instantly, like a bolt of lightning, and I had all the Holy Spirit goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I knew, I knew in that moment that I had been living a life on my own understanding. I've been living a life where I had a relationship with the Lord, but it, it really was under my terms and under my control. Yeah. And that the thing that I wasn't giving him was me. Mm-hmm. And so that's when surrender really became my testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at every level, especially from that point on, it, it really is about that. It's really been about dying to self and dying to the world and handing over all control uh, to him. Mm-hmm. And that really set me back on track. It was like hitting, I hit rock bottom, and then the Lord used Melissa to come into my life and mm-hmm. and and witness to me, minister to me, and bring me back to the faith that I knew that I was capable of living out. And then that's when my wife Karen came back into the picture, and um, you know, within within about a year, you know, year and a half, we were engaged, and and. Um, and now I'm back on this on this path of at least a, a better path of of correct living, and and it and it all came because of wow. you know one trainer uh, who said yes to be obedient to the Lord. Yeah, and, and so that that's one of the stories that kind of wow. you know set me on the right path entering into the NFL. Well, and just we can all be. A Melissa yeah. what, with whatever our specific giftings are from right. yes. use it. Yeah. And it changed your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And changed a lot of other people's lives because of it. Ugh. Yeah. The courage of Melissa is very admirable. Yeah. You, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty powerful. I, I was listening to, um, I like to listen to um, a psychologist by the name of Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. um, from, from time to time. And, and he, was talking about his struggle with his own faith, but he said something interesting yesterday um, on a video that I was watching that he said, it's almost terrifying to think about what would happen if we actually totally gave our lives Mm -hmm. completely over to Christ and Mm -hmm. just said yes to everything he asked us to do. Right. Yeah. What, what would happen to the world if we, if we actually did that? And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that's kind of what, (laughs) kind of what you guys are saying there. Yeah. For sure. Wow, no has it been has it been difficult to as uh, to share your faith through your journey in the NFL, or have you found that it's that's not difficult, or what's that journey like? You know, the NFL is a is a challenging. I guess it just it depends on who you are and what your perspective is. I always have I always have, have kind of taken this view that it's a it's a it's a challenging mission field because. Uh-huh. You have to tell a group of men that have pretty much everything that they want that they right. don't mm. have the most important thing. And and so um, in that culture, 
to come at people, you know, with the fire and brimstone never works. No, it's, right. it's really about building deep and meaningful relationships built yeah. on trust and loyalty and commitment and, and coming alongside people and then waiting for the Lord to provide an, a crack or an opportunity that mm-hmm. usually comes when they're going through a challenging yeah. time. Right. And it, it, it's, it's interesting how many, how many times those individuals will come to people of faith mm-hmm. for um, encouragement yeah. Uh, because they, you know, if we're living our lives, they will know that we are Christians by our love. If we're living our lives out in accordance to the teachings of Christ, usually people notice there's something different about mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's always been a bit of a challenge there. And then you know, over the last 10 years, moving into the corporate community, yeah, um, you face your own challenges there as well because of you know, the, the culture that we're in, the sensitivities that we're in, diversity, equity, inclusivity, yeah. um, the redefining of words, the redefining of identity and gender and all these things. And you still have to be an, a, an executive that oversees the culture of a community of people yeah. that come from a vast, you know, vast different faiths. And, and so how do you, how do you express your faith in a way that, um, Number one is not going to get you in legal trouble, right. <laughs> you know, but number two is, is not going to condemn or, yeah. um, and so there's, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, mm. we're kind of in a, in a, I think a more tense worldly culture now more than ever as Christians to figure out, mm. but ultimately it, it really just comes down to, to saying yes mm. to Jesus and trusting yeah. that he'll take care of you in the process. That's good. As the chief culture officer, your current role within the organization, right? Can mm-hmm. you share a story of when you have had the opportunity to share your faith? Yeah. So this is really cool. So I, this has been about a 10 year journey for me to come to this point. And, you know, when I was playing in Indianapolis with the Colts, it was a pretty radical uh, community because it was led by Hall of Fame coach, Tony Dungy, who won a Super Bowl built on a leadership style called servant leadership. Mm. And ser- servant leadership is the belief that if you build better men, you get better football players. If you yeah. build better people, you get better performance, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a love and value people first yeah. leadership style, yeah. which yeah. to the world, yeah, to the world is, is all about soft, you know, to the world, to the corporate executive community for, for so many years, that's been the soft skills. It's been sure. the, it's uh-huh. kind of been the powder, right? Even though more than ever, um, it's it's metallic. It's it's something objective and material that you can build systems around to improve human behavior, right? And so, I was captivated by that and this idea. Like when Coach Dungy in our first team meeting said, "If you're here, if you're in this room, and your whole identity is wrapped up in a sport, you've missed it." Mm. And 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 my job here is to build a family, and the acronym for family is "Forget about me, I love you." Oh wow! And so it's. You know, that was just like, I remember looking around the room going, okay, <laughs> did, did I just hear what, did I just hear that correct? Are you all impacted? Um, I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so I knew that I was going to be, uh, my degree was public speaking. Um, I fell in love watching my dad use words to transform oh. people. Hmm. So I knew I wanted to, to communicate that. And I found, I found the, the theme in the platform to communicate that with. And so uh, kind of a long story, but coming back around to this opportunity to be a, a chief culture officer, uh, one of the things the Lord gave me was um, the word creed in the process. And I remember thinking to myself, oh. that's interesting. Um, 
is he talking about Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies? (laughs) (laughs) And and then obviously I remembered the Apostles Creed. And so I asked Mm. Siri, I said, hey, Siri, define creed. And, And Siri said, a creed is a set of beliefs that guides the behaviors and actions of people. Mm. And I was like, holy cow. Wow. Like, that's it. Thank you, Lord. So to Mm. answer your question, (laughs) one of the things that I do as a chief culture officer is I help organizations develop their organizational creed. Ah. And so we basically take what is typically a value statement and we turn it into an entire manual, a training manual and Mm. system around all of their core values, but not just the values themselves, but instead the beliefs about the values, because the values are meaningless unless we mm-hmm. understand what you believe about integrity. What, yeah. what do you believe about courage? What do you believe about empathy? What do you, mm-hmm. you know, because the beliefs are what hold the values in place and they're what provide the opportunity for action yeah. behind the values. And so I've written now, I think four or five different organizational creeds for different companies mm-hmm. and Every single one of those beliefs comes from scripture, Mm. right? And that's kind of the unique opportunity here, right? Now, some of the companies are more servant leadership, faith-based in leadership. And so there's more opportunity to identify exactly where those principles come from. Mm -hmm. Others are not. But what's cool about them is that the Holy Spirit is still working in and through each of those beliefs. Yeah. Right. And then when when you're sitting down and coaching some of these leaders around the principles and they begin asking questions, you know, about, well, you know, where does this like I tell I'll, oftentimes I'll I'll be up in front of um, executive leadership groups and I'll tell them a story about a king who was describing two men. And, and the story is that. Um, he who listens to my words and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on rock. Mm-hmm. Remember the story of in Matthew where Jesus is, is teaching his disciples about the power of practice. Yeah. Right. And then he says, he who listens to my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who builds his house on sand. Right. And the wind, the wind blows the rain falls, the house, the house crumbles. Right. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between the two men? One practiced and one didn't. They both listened, they both learned, but only one practiced. Okay, so that that's an example of how you can tell a biblical story without necessarily identifying the authorship sure. initially, mm-hmm. but inspire people, and then they and then they come to you. Well, wow, wow, that was yeah, that totally makes Where sense. Did that to come me. from? Yeah, what was like? So, who is the king? Well, it's interesting you ask. So here and now, and once they ask, now you have an open door to kind of share your faith in in a corporate community and setting, yeah. and that that's pretty powerful. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's really, really great. I love that because sometimes God leads you. He gives you the opportunity yeah. to explicitly share and say the name of Jesus immediately, right? That that's just what they, that's what the context needs. Mm-hmm. And other times, honestly, quite a bit of the time, it seems like it's actually this more nuanced way of meeting them where they're at. Yeah. Yep. And then weaving in the story and God's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And there's always ways to do that. You know, when I when I start my, whenever I have a chance to do my keynote presentation, I start by sharing this powerful story of how I was in the tunnel 
for the Super Bowl, getting ready to run out on the field. And as I run out of the field, I hear this voice behind me screaming my name, Ben, Ben. Mm. And I turn and there's my dad and he's hanging over the railing, almost falling over. He had, <laughs> he had worked his way through the masses halfway around the stadium to get into this position. Yeah. And wouldn't you believe in that moment, I, I tried to shoo him away like a, like mm-hmm. a pesky fly. I was like, dad, I'm about to go out into the Super Bowl field. Like this is not this is not the time. And I took one more step onto onto that turf, and it was like the fist of God just sucker punched me. Wow! And I felt like I heard this voice say, "You know, go back to where this all started. Go back to your father." Yeah. And there was a double meaning there. It wasn't just. It was just. It was a reminder. Like it's not about the game. Hmm. It's about your heavenly father. It's not about a game. It's about your earthly father. Wow. So I ran back to my dad, had this emotional uh, handshake, you know, tears, grabbed his hand. You know, it all started with you, dad. But then I, I kind of shared this cinematic moment where time slowed down. And I, I remember going back to the backyard, you know, as a little kid, where my dad would get on his knees and he would just let me run into him with all <laughs> with everything I had. And I thought I was so big and strong, even though he was always in control. But then I tell the, I tell every audience this story and I, and I share with them that my dad had a family creed. My dad had a creed for me and it revolved around four principles, like, like love God first, because yeah. if you play for something bigger than yourself, It'll raise the bar beyond any human possibility, mm-hmm. right? Two, two, never give up, never stop working. Three, there's always somebody behind you that wants to take your your position, right? And and four is have fun. Like if you mm-hmm. can't have fun, and if you can't do something you love, then what's the point of doing it? And yeah. so, so every presentation starts off with the acknowledgement of my dad as a pastor, and the very first belief that he taught me was to love God above anything else. Mm. And because I share my own testimony and because I present it in such a soft, loving, familial way, yeah. there's, I've never had a single, it doesn't matter, you know, who, who the group is. And, you know, as long as you, do, you know, are able to kind of present it and deliver it in a way that's meaningful, um, mm. people are drawn to that, but it sets the tone. Like they know, from that minute on, they know that I'm a person of faith. Yeah. Right. And so then they begin to hear the words differently, which is, mm-hmm. which is really kind of cool. Point. Right. There are so many nuggets of, uh, of takeaways there. Going back to God, loving people well, putting your family first. Um, yeah. I love hearing the, how, how God has really like weaved through your story, such an intimate relationship with mm-hmm. him how you get to share that with everybody around you. And he's invited you in so many of these small ways that he's like, I want to use these. I want to use you in in big ways here, but you're going to have to take me up on my invitation because if you don't, we're not going to go far. But if you do, I'm going to change your life and thousands of others. So good. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our conversation with Ben. Be sure to subscribe so that you catch part two coming next week and leave us a review. We'd also love for you to share this podcast with a young athlete or a football fan who might relate to Ben's stories. God bless you this week as you go and share your faith.